0: Hey everybody, welcome to Golf Origin Stories. My name is Chris McEwen. On today's show, I've got Pete Popovich, host of the Golf 360 podcast and owner operator of the golfparadigm.com website. But first, let's listen to some music. In 1969, two brothers, Dwayne and Greg, formed a band. And they called it the Almond Brothers. Now, it's not the Almond Brothers, which was a mistake I made at roughly the age of 10 years old when uh, I was con- I was convinced they were the Almond Brothers. But no, no, it's it's A L L M A N, just for the record. 10-year-old Chris. Um Anyways, Dwayne and Greg started this band. Uh, They released their first album in 1969. It was was self-titled, and it didn't really do very much commercially. Uh, They released a second album, which this song is off of, Midnight Rider, called Idlewind South. Idlewind South was the farmhouse where they did a lot of the writing and recording of that record. And again, it didn't really catch commercially. really didn't do much. But then... In 1971, they released what would go down as one of the greatest live albums ever released at Fillmore East, and that's when people really started paying attention to the Allman Brothers. They are a legendary live band. Uh, they they kind of a jam band, but, um, but that's when the band kind of really started to see some success, and that was the same year that Tragedy would strike the band. Dwayne Altman, in October of 1971, would die in a motorcycle accident. Now, the band would, would continue recording, continue making songs. Uh, you know, the brother, Gr- Greg, would, would still kind of push the band along. And, I mean, Dwayne was really considered the founder of the thing, but Greg continued on for a while. I think in 1976, they sort of broke up. They, it, was a, it was a rough relationship within the band. Uh, They would get back together here and there and and do some more stuff. But, but, you know, their real run was for that, you know, six, seven year period. Um, Coincidentally enough, almost a year to the day after Dwayne Allman would die in a motorcycle accident, the band's bassist, Barry Oakley, would also die in a motorcycle accident in 1972. But the Allman Brothers, they kind of defined or, or marked a kind of new genre within music, or at least made it relatively popular. This kind of, you know, country rock, Southern blues type of sound. I think many of us probably associate that sound with, with Leonard Skinner, uh, maybe even Neil Young to a certain extent, but the Allman brothers were really kind of the pioneers of that music. Um, and uh, you know, th- this song, Midnight Rider, as I mentioned, it never, it never charted, never actually charted, even though it's probably one of the defining songs of this band um, in fact, Greg Allman called it the song I'm most proud of. So that's the Allman Brothers, Midnight Rider, a quick little synopsis. Let's, let's get to the show. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name's Chris, and uh, this is Golf Origin Stories, and I like to open episodes up with different songs. Um, sometimes they're songs that get referenced or bands that get referenced while I'm talking to my guests. In this case, Allman Brothers happens to come up when we're talking about music with my guest Pete Popovich, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show uh he is a former or a, a fellow podcast host um the golf 360 podcast and he also manages the website called the really interesting kind of concepts and ideas around um you know he's he's been a teacher he's been uh he's tried to go pro he he's done all these different things around the game of golf he's he golfed at a very very high level uh in his er- younger days um and now he's trying to kind of you know, share his knowledge, share his experiences, and 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 teach and open some eyes to some other things that uh, can help you play better golf. So we'll get to Pete Popovich. It's a really really fun conversation. Uh, he's he's a very very interesting human being, and he's just a cool kind of dude. But um, you know, I always have this call to action, right? So subscribe to the podcast, review the podcast, rate it. We like five stars here at Golf Origin Stories. Uh, five stars is is like you know the pinnacle of of ratings, and it helps the show get in front of more eyeballs and get into more ears. Um, and I thought I would I would just give an example of a re- review that you you know you could kind of maybe you're inspired to to open up the uh, podcast app that you currently use and and leave a review. I think this one's from the Apple Podcast, but uh, I can't tell you who it's from it's it's just a long string of of consonants with a few vowels mixed in there but it's, it's not a real word but anyways this listener thank you so much says the following if you're on golf twitter you'll recognize most of the guests which is true it's fun to put voices and perspectives behind the folks you interact with chris is a great interviewer and creates an easy to listen accessible open forum for mostly average golfers to chat about their enthusiasm for the game and their personal connection to it. Thank you for that. That's a nice little review. I really appreciate those. Um, I'm guessing that took like 15 seconds for that wonderful person to leave that in Apple Podcast. Um, so if you have the moment to, to do so, maybe right now you can hit pause and go in and do it, or, or after the show, just you know leave a little review, thought about the show, and uh, I would really appreciate it. But uh, anyways, I hope everyone's doing well. I'm very excited to be back at it. I took last week off uh, just to take it off. It's always good to kind of reset. I've learned that now uh, this past probably six months. I know I've, I think I've talked about it before. I do have this habit of just totally burning myself out and, and burning the candle at both ends and that all those sort of cliches, uh, you know, sometimes your, your passion and your love of things and creating and, and the work that you want to do, it can be your own worst enemy and it's good to just take a breath. And so I'm trying to do that a little bit more. I kind of feel like I owe the listeners two bonus episodes. I don't know how I'll manage that, but um, hopefully you think it's okay that I, every once in a while, will take a week off. Um, anyways, let's get into the episode. It's a really fun one. And, and let's talk to Mr. Pete Popovich. All right, Pete. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for doing this. Um, I've uh, I've d- I've done some digging into your past. I have a I have a mole, <laughs> just so you know. Um, your cousin, my pal, uh, our my friend Marco, previous guest on the show. He and I um, had a conversation, and we got deep into all the skeletons in your closet. So prepare yourself. <laughs> There's a, a lot, lot of them in there, right?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> How's it going, man? Well, happy Masters Week.
1: It's right. It's a busy week. Uh, Masters from Hilton Head's only about two, two and a half hours. So we get a lot of overflow. Oh, Uh, yeah. And and then, of course, next week we have the RBC Heritage. So this is a very, very busy time in this area right now.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So you um, you got we don't host anything, really. I mean, we do the BMW here in Chicago every once in a while, but it's it's usually kind of in the far north burbs. Um, Mm -hmm. What's it like when the tour comes to town?
1: Oh, it's the biggest event in this area by far. And it's the biggest event in South Carolina as a whole. Really? Uh, Yeah. Now this year, you know, the, the, uh, Kia was going to have the PGA. So, you know, that, that, that's probably a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, Congaree, which is a, uh, very, very high end, very exclusive private club in, uh, Ridgeland, which is about 20 miles North of here, uh, just the, the RBC Canadian open move there. I think it was just announced last week yep. because nobody, yep. nobody can get into Canada. So we've got three months of PGA tour events in a row, which is pretty exciting for, for the low country.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's it it
1: cool. is. It's going to be a little crazy for a while, but uh, Hey, that, that's what happens when you live in a resort area.
0: Right. Right. When did night you, you grew up in the Midwest, right?
1: Yeah. I grew up just North of Detroit, about 20 miles in a little town town called Utica Okay. Um, went to Ferris State, uh, did their PGM program. That's how I got to Hilton Head on an internship. Uh, stayed here about a year, went back, finished school. year year and a half later, I, I didn't find anywhere I liked any better. And Hilton Head had some openings. Uh, I think I came back to Long Cove uh, Club, the private club, top 100, course. Okay. And I've been here since. Um various jobs and playing, teaching, you you know, not podcasting. So yeah. uh, Yeah. Run the gamut of uh, different things in the industry, but always in and around the Hilton head area Okay, Uh, in my home for 25 years.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can, you can qualify it as underrated, but I feel like it kind of is underrated. Like I've, I went there, I've been there once on a vacation, brought the kids, you know, and, and it's, it's great. It's got a little something for everybody. Of course, it's got the golf, you know, but um it's just a kind of a great town. It's just a cool vibe to it.
1: There There's 20. What was it? Someone told me I might be off a little bit. There's like 21 courses on Hilton Head and within the first five miles off Hilton, I think there's a total of 27 or something like <laughs> 41 in the county. Jeez. So it, it's and, and, you know, as, as you mentioned, there's something to do for everybody. Like, you know, if you want to go golf and, and you're your spouse and kids want to go do something else. There's the beach is obviously the number one attraction, right?
0: Yeah. They
1: developed Hilton head in the sixties, starting it then. And ever since, you know, they've got more shopping, more restaurants, more uh, zip lines, pirate ships, uh, boating, kayaking, all the water sports, you name it. So yeah, there, there's, there is something for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now you'd mentioned your, your podcast. You also, you're a fellow podcast host. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's uh golf, the golf 360 podcast. Right. Right. And it's, it's, I feel like it's a little different than your normal kind of golf podcast. Like you focus, like certainly your guests, but you focus on different aspects of the game that I don't think many other podcasts necessarily do.
1: Yeah. Th- that was kind of the design of it. Uh, I, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself by just having, let's say, instructors on because mm-hmm. I, I, I know a lot of instructors being, you know, teaching myself, um, and I, I didn't want to pigeonhole it in any particular part of the industry, uh, club management, uh, manufacturers, anything like that. So I, I thought, well, how am I going to do it where I could have everybody in there at once? And that's kind of what the idea of 360 is. It encompasses everything and anything that has to do with golf. And then it even goes outside of golf where we, you know, I've had fortune 50 CEOs on, uh, retired Marine colonels, um, PGA tour players, t- champions tour players. So it, anything that, that comes around and it's more the story and the things that the individuals have learned that they can teach other people because they're all very, very highly successful in whatever field they were in uh, or are in or were in, you know, what have you. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's been, it's been very fun for me. I, I thought it would be fun to do, but it's been even uh, a lot more fun than I anticipated. And I, I probably learned as much, if not more than anybody. Uh, Cause I've, done at each one and i've listened to each one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's been very cool and it's glad to, or i'm glad to hear that somebody or that's the kind of the vibe that i'm getting back is it's not your normal golf podcast uh if that's been a knock from some in the industry it says well you know your your podcast go a little long and i didn't need to know about this guy's what he did you know when he was younger and all this and that i'm like okay then that's not what the podcast about it's about it i i don't i tell guys when or and girls when they come on it uh, I said, this is not an interview. It's more a conversation.
0: Yeah. You know, we're, yeah. we're
1: just going to shoot the breeze. And I I, I have a rough outline, uh, maybe one page just to kind of keep some structure. Uh, but I do long form because if they want to go off on a tangent, I'm not going to say, well, you know, we only got 15 minutes for this portion. And we got to go here. If they're rolling, I I just let them go and get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. And, and they're the stars of the show. I'm just the one that brings it to the people. That's kind of the way I look at it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you talk about it being conversational cuz it does it does feel like you're just hanging out. Like you're you're I'm sure you're not in the same room like ever, just like you and I aren't in the same room right now, right. but it feels as if you are and you guys are just, you know, it's kind of a across the table chat. And you it's funny too the other thing that you mentioned, this is fun. We're we're going to get into some podcast behind the scenes stuff. Um I don't know if you if you have any other kind of audio Background or whatever, <clears throat> um, but uh, I did some like some radio work for a little while back in way, 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 way back in the day, and and you would have segments, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and you were constrained by like, okay, you give you get ten minutes for this person, or you get whatever for this interview, and um, it took me a minute to like, I didn't, it, it wasn't even something that was like, I wasn't even conscious of it. It was just like, you can let the like you said, you can let someone talk. And stay yep. out of the way. In fact, when I'm editing a podcast, if I see a bunch of lines on my track, I'm like, I talk way too much. <laughs> <That's> right.
1: <laughs> and, and it's, uh, I think I tell people when they come on, uh, I warn them ahead of time, like, Hey, this is long form. The shortest one I'd done, I think was Sasha McKenzie was an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, the doctor, and it, I, I could have talked to him for hours. And, and I have talked to him for length, uh, long lengths of time about different things. Uh, But, hey, I was happy enough that he made time to come on as busy as he is. Uh, Brett McCabe, the Doc Brett McCabe, I think his was about an hour and a half and and the same thing. But, again, those could have went on for multiple hours. uh, And like I tell people, I say, look, are are you okay with coming on that long? And you'd be surprised at how fast the first 30 to 60 minutes you would just blow right through it.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's very true. I mean,
1: but pleasantries, and then you get into t- let, uh, you know, you got, you've done enough. You kind of get a feel for when they get a little comfortable and you ask them some, you know, softball questions that just to let them get used to it. And then, then you kind of get rolling into it. And by then, it's, it could be a half hour in or longer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, the the topics that you cover too, you know, you, there's some depth to them. You mm-hmm. know, it, it it's, um, it's not just sort of wasteful minutes you know, it's all meaningful right. stuff and it's stuff that's really pretty fascinating.
1: And that's what I think, uh, the long form has served me and, and my show best because when you have these people who are world-class in what they do to try to have them cram a whole bunch of information in let's say 45 minutes or less, it's like, it, it's not even a scratching of the scratching of the surface. Yeah, It's like, what? Wh- why even waste their time? Th- th- yeah. That's just my point of view. Now, Don't get me wrong. Some people do a phenomenal job with, I I think Cordy Walker and golf science lab, I think almost all of his are under an hour and he does a great job. And he and I, uh, been trying, I've been trying to get him on mine and Mm -hmm. it's just been a little scheduling difficulty. Uh, but I I really look forward to having him on and picking his brain. Um, because he, he, he does something completely different than me and does a fabulous job with it. Big fan of his.
0: Yeah. Um, when did you start your podcast?
1: Uh, it's coming up on two years. Okay. Um, and, and I, I had the idea. I'm, um, I was a huge Tim Ferriss fan. Okay. Um, and, and if I can go back just a little further, I, I was, um, when I was playing golf, I was obviously training quite a bit and big in the training. When I got out of it, I, I continue with that. I mean, I, I left playing professional golf full time in about 2006. Oh, wow. And shortly okay. after the economy fell out. So it's mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do? And I I was, you know, I'm trying to transition into playing full time into something else, teaching and, and the podcast and all some other things. And it's like, OK, in the evening, you got a shit ton of time on your hands. <laughs> and I, I didn't I wasn't in watching a whole lot of TV. So I, you know, I used to read uh, Paul Check's information and watch a lot of his lectures and uh, Charles Poliquin. And I was watching one of Charles's videos one day and he had his top five books he recommended. Tim Ferriss's four hour work week was one. So I'm like, I haven't heard of this one. I've read the others. Let me check this one out. And I, I, I got it, read it, and I could not sleep for two nights. My mind would not stop working. And then of course he started his podcast. I was a huge fan of that. And, um, from him got into the Rogan experience. And I think everybody's a yeah. Rogan fan. Yeah. And and, and th- those two guys are, are kind of what I modeled my podcast after. They, they were big inspirations for me. Um, Rogan with the long form and the conversation, piece uh tim with the that, that that's where the idea kind of the genesis came from like well tim knows a lot of people in the self-help and the financial worlds because of his background i said i know a lot of people in the, in the golfing world and any, anything and everything is connected to it why not introduce a lot of these people to the general public uh because the general public might not know who they are and they're phenomenal people phenomenal minds and doing great things and mm-hmm. i thought why not be the, the conduit to that introduction and, and get the, their information out there.
0: You're the second person this season, this podcast season of mine, season two um, that has talked about the four hour work week and the book and the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, I have to get on that. I, I have to get some time, make some, some time to uh, to listen and read that thing. Um,
1: yeah, it's crazy, but I mean, like I said, he, he's he's like a hero of mine. If I could ever meet Tim Ferriss, I'd be—I I wouldn't even know what to ask him. I mean, he always say. <laughs> I, I think he even did a an interview or a podcast somewhere where he he got to meet Warren Buffett, and he had—I I don't know if he practiced what he was going to say because you you meet someone like Buffett, you get like one sentence, <laughs> right. right? And and for, I guess t- Tim was a very savvy investor, uh, angel investor among other things. I think yeah. he invested in Uber and some other things at ground level. And I I mean, I I don't even know what I'd say to him except thank you. Because if it wasn't for him, I I would have never jumped on this. But and I had, you know, I had the idea. I bought the equipment. I had the equipment to do it for probably at least a year and a half. And it wasn't really part of it. Was probably twenty percent of it was fear of the unknown. You know, how am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, But the other part was I didn't want to teach myself how to self-edit. I knew nothing about editing. (laughs) even after watching pat flynn and all his videos i'm like this is just i don't i've got too much going on to to learn how to do this and i was very nervous about asking a bunch of world-class experts to come on and then have me botch it right um that i did not need that to ruin my reputation i was just at a a meeting one night with uh, one of my neighbors community meeting and and i he was in the tech business he and his wife built websites and social media platforms for companies and i said hey do you know anybody that does audio editing. Cause I got this idea for a podcast. He said, well, yeah, I used to work for a radio station. That's what I did. Oh.
0: <laughs> said, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. I didn't
1: even ask him how much I just said, you're hired. <laughs> and he helped me out and he said, yeah, I'd be happy to. And so that, that's, that was the, the kickoff.
0: That's, that's awesome. See, and that was the other way around where I had, I had all the auxiliary or whatever you want, all the other skills. Um, and I had never, I never really thought about putting them, into this sort of space. Mm-hmm. I was always doing it for work and things like that and audio and video editing and things. And, and then, yeah, one day I was just like, you know what? I, I can't remember how I'm trying to think of, um, Oh, I, I was going to, I was going to start a, a website on my own and the first sort of article or post or whatever was going to be how I came into the game of golf. Cause I came into it roughly 10, 12 years ago. Um, and that was the birth of this show. So it's kind of cool. funny how that, uh, and I have a lot of the same. Uh, you know, Rogan um, is one of mine that I listen to. Um, I grew up, you know, I am sure like you, um, watching Letterman and mm-hmm. having, you know, how that conversation kind of went. Mark Moreau or Mark Maron is another one that I listen to a lot too. So it's kind of funny where you get that sort of. Um, you don't even know that you adopt a style until you start doing something. Right. You're like, oh yeah, this is, I'm influenced by these people without even really knowing I've been influenced by them.
1: And, and I'll tell you what, I, I tell this story all the time, it, it, as nervous as I was, cause I'm not very good t- tech is not my foray. Right. I, I mean, I was very <laughs> late to the computer game. I don't even think I had a, my, I, the only reason I had a computer was my brother and I used to live together and he was going to, to school and, uh, he had a, a home computer and, and I would get on it. That, that was, and that was like 2000 and 2006, something like that. So I was very late to the computer game. Um, but the, the, the short story or the uh, long story, maybe for my first podcast, I had done some inter, did some mock interviews with my girlfriend just to make sure I had the equipment and the buttons and all that stuff. Right. Cause I had no idea what I was doing. And then I had a buddy come over that night, the night before my first one. And, uh, we actually found one button that, that the volume was really screwed up. Today to this day, I don't know what the button does. I just know, don't touch it. <laughs> um, and then I go to the first interview and it's with Mike Harmon, who is the director of golf at Secession Golf Club. Mike's a legend in the industry. Yeah. And he's a, he's yeah. a great one to have. Cause Mike has the the, the, the ability to talk like, like nobody else. <laughs> um, and, and just to divert uh, Eric Kennedy, who is one of Mike's assistants, Eric's a great guy. He's up in the Philly area now. He, uh, he got a phone call and he said, well, Mike's on a phone. Uh, can I take a message? And the, the fellow said, well, I'll wait. How long is it going to be? And Eric said, look, buddy, if it's the wrong number, it's going to be 20 minutes. With <laughs> so, I mean, so Mike, Mike is just the biggest hearted guy in the world will help anybody. And I, I, so anyway, he's my first interview. I go over there, we do all the sound checks. Uh, and he says, look, if we're going to sit here for at least an hour, I want a glass of wine. Do you want anything to drink? So let's go to the grill and get it. And I, uh, hit, uh, I think it was pause. So we come back oh. and we get down and we go and I hit pause again because I am grew up in the 80s and that's like the old school VCRs. Right. I didn't know you had to hit record again. Right. We're an hour and a half in and he's just on a roll. And I look down at the recorder and it's all zeros oh. and my heart just falls out of my chest. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you got to be shitting me, dude. And then he he see me. And he stops you. Is something wrong? I go, it didn't record. He said, what didn't? I said, "All none of it." He said, "None of, of it." it. Yeah. And he and I, here's the kind of guy he is. He he sees the look on my face, and he knows. I mean, I had to be beat red, just ready to implode. And and he breaks the the tension in the room. He just says, "Hey, look, uh, we'll do it again next week. It's no big deal. So what?" He said, "Now let's go on the back porch and and have a few more glasses of wine."
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. It, it, it made it so much better, but I mean, it's still on my mind. I've done 43 (laughs) shows now and every time I do, I'm looking at those numbers for the first 20 minutes, make sure they're running. Yeah. That's,
0: (laughs) that's, isn't that, that's so far. I promise listeners we're going to get off the back of the, you know, behind the scenes podcast, but that is literally the podcast host's worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. Like to, to have experienced that, like even you describing it made my stomach drop just made my just. Like. I'll
1: tell you a real quick other one uh Martin Chuck came on obviously everybody knows who Martin is sure Martin's big now. and I've known Martin since I was let's see I would think I was 17 and Martin was about 22 or so wow um so he's on and I had no idea about the, the uh SanDisk cards and the time on them and I, I mean doing these podcasts going in I'm like why is this time around here well anyway we're, Martin and I are rolling all of a sudden I look down and it's not recording it, the, the disc filled up. It
0: filled the I, card.
1: I, oh, it felt so good. <laughs> Martin's like, he's laughing. I said, what the hell are you laughing at? I just, you know, that's an hour of your life. And he said, hey, just here, call me Tuesday. We'll, we'll do it. We'll just pick up where we left off. And sure enough, it came out great.
0: That's but awesome. But it's
1: still, you know, your, your heart just, it's like someone gut punches you and your heart falls out of your chest at the same time.
0: It's, it's such a horrible feeling. Such a horrible feeling. Even to imagine it. It's such, I have I've had like close calls. And even mm-hmm. then, like, you know, cold sweats, immediate break into cold sweats. Um, okay. Anyways, I haven't talked to a fellow podcaster, I feel like in a while. So it's <laughs> is kind of, it's kind of fun to, to share stories and things. Anyways, uh, you had mentioned, so it's kind of funny that you're not this electronic guy because you've got a podcast that's very mm-hmm. successful. You've got a website too, right? golf yes. paradigm. It's kind of, it's your, also your Twitter handle. So yep. another interesting kind of, uh, look at the game of golf and angle at the game of golf with the website, kind of give us the, 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 the ethos, um, or kind of the philosophy of, of, uh, the golf paradigm.
1: So th- that, that was, th- that was going to be my master's thesis. I was going to write a book on that back around 2000, late 2006, because, I was very big my entire life, realized this as a kid, that when, when you were treated for something, they were usually treating a symptom. And, and the really good doctors found out what the cause was. And, mm-hmm. and, and most, of, like, like for example, a diagnostician, right? They, they know all the systems of the body, how they work, how they're integrated, and everything else. And, and they can hone in on, on what exactly the, the problem is that you're having. And I had always had that philosophy my whole life. And going through, when I was coming up as a young assistant and would go take lessons from some of the people who were regarded as the top teachers in the world at the time. And I would ask them, I was like, I, they had to hate me. I was like a little kid, you know, <laughs> you have to do this. Why? Well, okay. Here, and okay. Well, how come that? And it got to a point, most of them in that era, uh, at least my experience was that they would say, well, th- this is how we've done it for X number of years. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and I, I never really bought into that. I always wanted whoever I was teaching to understand the, the reasons, unless they said, just make it simple because I want to keep my mind focused on playing. I can get a yeah. feel and go, okay, fine. So anyway, uh, fast forward when I was putting everything together, I spent it, uh, obviously as a coach or instructor, you grow up and learning all the the mechanics of the swing and, uh, th- things of that nature. And I was always interested in the why. So I was, I always kept digging. Uh, then in playing, I got exposed more. Le- once you get to a certain level, you know, it's, it's more how you think Mm
0: -hmm. everyone,
1: everybody at that level can play phenomenally. Everyone hit it great, putt it great, chip it great. So it's how you think that's going to be the difference. So I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of sports psychologists. Um, And my aunt uh, worked with BS Skinner when she was going for a doctorate in child psychology. So I, I I, kind of had an introduction to that as a kid. Um, Then I spent uh, uh, the guy that used to do all the club work for me, he did it for DJ Trahan for a number of years as well. Uh, he was the only guy that we know of ever invited in Augusta national to fit for golf clubs. Is this the master's week? <laughs> wow. And he, he's Michael Barsky. Uh, he's just, he's like a savant when it comes to fitting. So I, I learned the club aspect and, and its effects on the swing. Uh, then you had the health and fitness side, which I was big in because at one time I wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the, the last one, the, the, the keystone of the whole thing was the integration. So at, at what particular point do you have to focus on somebody's, uh, golf clubs, you know, if they if they got stronger, if they got faster, okay, now you got to tweak the clubs because nothing else is going to work correctly. At what point do you have to, to, to modify the swing mechanics? At what point? Okay. Are they not eating right? Or are, are <laughs> they staying up too late? Uh, how are they thinking? What are they thinking about? Are they, you know, the, the, the common ones, are they analytical? Are they uh, more creative minded? Are they hands-on? Are they audio visual? You know, wh- how do they learn best? Because, uh, I've found over the years when you're working, or if you go to a doctor, anybody out there listening, they go to a doctor and the doctor s- explains something to them, they say, D- Did you understand that? Of course, you're gonna say, Yeah, because the person's across you from the expert, whether you got it or not. <laughs> right. So I learned that in teaching, and that if you're gonna tell somebody something, they're almost always gonna say, Yeah. But if you can explain it in a way that they're gonna understand it, and, and you have to extract that from them, just asking them questions, What do they like to do? What's their job? And then, do they like their job? Uh, what are their hobbies? and you can start piecing things together. Uh, I remember asking a guy one time, I said, I, he, he was, a, he had very colorful clothes on. Uh, he talked about, he liked art and he liked to read. And I said, what do you do for a living? He said, he's an engineer. I said, bet you don't like your job. You? He said, I hate it. He said, How do you <laughs> do you? <I> said okay. <laughs> it's kind of contradictory. It's not yeah. hard to figure out. So that was the, Oh, and then the last thing I, I was always uh, big into martial arts. Um, so that, that was where the yin and the yang sort of on the logo came together. Mm-hmm. So the, the golf paradigm was it, it was, it was copied more or less from the yin and yang and that you have the, the, the overall uh, entity is like life in general, and then you, or, or golf in general for the golf paradigm aspect. Then the two equal parts are you have to work at it, but you also have to have fun. You know, being in a retirement area, I see so many people who retire and say, I'm going to play golf five days a week. And their handicap gets worse and they get more pissed off. (laughs) So, you know, people very quickly forget to have fun while they're playing. And then the five elements, just as they are in Chinese medicine, you know, uh, fire, earth, water. um, What are the other? uh, Wood. I can't remember Mm -hmm. the last one. But so I had mechanics of the swing, nutrition and health, club fitting, mental side and then integration. So that's where that kind of came about.
0: That's that's a
1: a long story.
0: (laughs) It's pretty interesting though, because, um, so I was just talking, uh, to a previous guest, uh, uh, David Adele, um, who was saying the same thing like this, this is the next, like, and I, your, your website's been around for a while now, but that's that integration piece of it, because, um, more and more of us are getting fitted. That kind of stuff is, is more accessible. Right. Um, but then there's this whole other ignored piece, which is like your body and your brain. Right. Uh-huh. And so you're so a lot of people's bodies can't do what you're supposed to quote unquote, supposed to do in a golf swing. Um, but I think some of that stuff can be remedied by actually, uh, you know, focusing on it. Right. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty fast. It's a whole like other world that I would never really given much thought, but it's totally true. and, and, you know, we watch these, especially now, like people watch YouTube videos and they're saying, you know, you've got to do this with your shoulder or do this with your elbow or your wrist or whatever. Um, I, this wrist, my left hand, um, it, it's not going to do things that it's supposed to do because it's trashed. It's, it's just, it's garbage. So, um, you know, that part of it, when I watch those things, like it, no one's, no one's looked at my swing necessarily and said, oh, your, your body's limited this way. So here's how you can sort of, um, adapt for that, you know? Um, and then the other piece of it too, I think, is you kind of have, you talked about, um, you know, your, your martial arts kind of interest and background. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that is balance and flexibility and, and strength through and through, which can only, which will help you actually play golf longer. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. You, you can, I had a very good friend. He was the full contact heavyweight champ in North America in karate. And Jeez. he told me once, he said, look, you can never be too flexible for martial arts. You can be for golf, but you can't be for martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so always keep that in mind. I said, okay, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy who was 6'3", 270 pounds. And, and, you know, he could basically make his his leg go vertical and hold it. That, I mean, that type of flexibility. Right. It's, it's just shaking your head. Like,
0: That's not right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. At, and like the other piece of it, too, I've learned is, is how – um different tightnesses in your body affect other parts of your body, right? So, uh, tight hamstrings means tight back, mm-hmm. for example. Right. And so I've, I've actually, uh, made it a goal this year. I've, I don't know if I've ever in my life been able to do it, but <clears throat> this year, 2021 is going to be the year that I touch my toes for, you know, to actually touch my, like stretch. I've, I've, been stretching. I've taken stretching classes and the, the side effect is, I feel stronger. I, there's never been a stretch like a 30 minute stretch class where I haven't gotten out of it and felt so much stronger and so much healthier. Um, mm-hmm. just because I'm trying to, you know, it, I, to work these, you know, I guess muscles or tendons or whatever you want to call it. It's pretty crazy.
1: There, there's a guy that he he's, he's going viral. If he hasn't already, he's in the process of it. Uh, knees over toes guy. In fact, I th- somebody told me the other day Rogan had was mentioned him on his podcast. Really? Uh, but he, he was a guy that 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 when he was young, he's he loved basketball, but he was he was always hurt as a kid. Couldn't jump very high. I think he had partial knee replacement. They told me never play again. And then he just he wouldn't stop. He just kept learning and and uh developing and but but to your point on hamstrings, he, he does a, a hamstring. Uh it's a they do, he do, he does a Jefferson curl. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is. <laughs> no, I don't know what that it's, is. So, so you you would be let's say, um, you wouldn't start there, but you would graduate to there. You would stand on a, on a box or a step, let us say, six inches, nine inches, twelve inches up, mm-hmm. and you'd have something like a couple dumbbells uh, or a barbell, let's say twenty five pounds, and you would slowly start rolling down from your head. You know, your head's gonna, your chin's gonna tuck, and then you slowly arch your back from from the top. <sighs> Down, yeah, and and you go until the barbell—it's pulling you down, so it's articulating your back. It's—it's it's separating the vertebrae. Yeah, but it's also stretching the hell out of your hamstrings. Right. <laughs> yeah. So a, a, as the body, if you as you know, and I've been doing the same, working on my hamstrings uh for lower back. uh You can only get so far. Well, that if you have the weight, it's going to force you down there. Now, I'd, I'm not recommending anybody go out and just grab a 25 pound <laughs> and do it. No, you, <laughs> right. you pop a hamstring. But yeah. it, it's a gradual process. But Uh ATG is their website, but knees over toes is his handle on social media. Uh YouTube and everything. Check check him out and his Jefferson curl for hamstrings. Uh it it's very, very cool.
0: That is, yeah. That's um it's been quite the adventure for me. (laughs) It hurts like hell, doesn't it? Oh my god. It's like I when I first started and I've I've always been kind of a tightly wound human. I've never been real flexible ever. Um, but I never really felt the need, but you know, I'm in my forties, I'm Mm -hmm. getting up there. It's time to, you know, I'd like to, you know, you know, lengthen my golf career and, um, and I'm learning more about this kind of stuff. But those first couple sessions, man, like death, like just give me death. Just (laughs) so bad. And then like you would do, uh. Like, you know, I I would reach out to touch my toes, but I would bend my knees, right? To give like, mm-hmm. give myself some. And, uh and like early on, I was basically, you know, my knees were in my chest and I still felt this. <laughs> I still felt the stretch. <laughs> All right. Anyways, um, let's move. You talked about how you wanted to go pro, like you were going to go pro,
1: right? Yeah, I, I chased the dream for a while.
0: Mm-hmm. How For how long? And, and what, what is that like to actually try to do that?
1: It was uh, – so I played full-time in 01 and 02 and then again in 05 and 06. Okay. And in, be- in between, I, I um, worked at a golf course j- just to have somewhere to practice and play out. And <laughs> I tell people the only reason I, I, I worked at a golf course was was to be eligible to to play in local events and have a place to practice. same reason I went to high school classes <laughs> was to be eligible <laughs> to play
0: sports. <laughs> right.
1: But, um, yeah, I mean, it, the, the first year I, I was so – um, out of my element, so to speak, you know, it it didn't have it didn't know what I was getting into. It didn't realize how good these guys actually were. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, and, and when I played, let's see, uh, th- that was the DP tour and, and he's Slocum's dad, Jack Slocum ran that tour. And that's, wow. had some great players there. Boo Weekly was on that tour. Jason Bone. Jeez. Um, geez. Who, who else that, that made the tour? Well, Heath, of course, and Bubba. Yeah. Uh, played that tour. Um, Wow. And I'm sure I, anyone I'm forgetting, forgive me. I that's you know 20 years ago. I can't remember all the names, <laughs> but I mean it, there were some great players in that tour, and I just got my ass kicked, <laughs> big time. Um, and then I, you know, the guy was helping me. He said, you, you know, you, I I can't do it myself. If, if you're going to take another year or two to to learn the ropes, which was f- hugely deflating because when you get your ass kicked, that whole offseason, I all mean, I caddied for for money to so I could save what I had to go play. Mm-hmm. But every single day I could, I was out at the course and practicing. And mostly short game. My long game was always pretty good, but it was just short game at that level, at the golf professional club level, it was it was pretty good. But at the next level, it, it wasn't not when you're playing different greens, different slopes. You know sure. home courses around here. And the low is very flat. You go into other places and they're hills and it just kicked my ass. And that's all I did that whole winter. Uh, Man. and in the spring he said, I'm not gonna be able to help you again. Cause we, we, he tried to get a couple other guys and they just didn't have the money at the time.
0: So, so then so you went and was, worked out the course until you found it. The, the course. Yeah. And
1: then a, a couple other guys came to me. I was playing good. I got in a nationwide event in, uh, uh, Raleigh. And then a couple guys came and said, uh, you know, Hey, you want to go back? We'll, we'll, we'll help you out. And, and they did. And, uh, it, it went, it went better. It just didn't. I think, I think I played thirteen events that summer. Um, I I missed out of the ten cuts I missed. I think nine were by less than two strokes. Man, it was like, and then every week you're driving somewhere else, thinking you're just racking your brain. I I could have saved a stroke here if I did. If I could have oh saved. Oh my a stroke god, here. it's got to
0: be torture. I mean, I do that it, myself for nothing. Right. It, like, it, it
1: was, it was torturous. Oh I mean, I, people used to tell me it's the greatest job in the world, Like, yeah, when you see Tiger Woods and Phil, you know, winning million dollars every other week, it right. is great. But when right. you're a thousand miles from anybody, you know, and you're playing like shit and it, it can be difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it, you know, if it wasn't, it, that's why there's only so many people on the PGA tour.
0: Right, I mean, I've you know um, I don't know if you follow Monday Q Info on Twitter, uh, Ryan French, who's uh-huh. a pal of mine, and um, I had Patrick Mud on on the show. Who's he's chasing the dream? Um, not only can it be deflating to get just annihilated right on the golf course, but then you could shoot your best round and still lose because these guys are going. These guys are shooting low sixties to get yeah, through.
1: Th- th- there was a distinct difference between when I played No One and Two and Oh Five and Oh Six. Really? Because in, in oh, late uh, oh, late uh summer of 01, I think, is when the Pro V1 came out.
0: Wow. All right. So er- everything yeah. up until
1: that point was still a wild ball. So it was not the bomb and gouge era yeah. like it was when I went in 05 and 06 was when it was really starting to, to kick in because uh, balls had gotten, you know, Pro V had, you know, four or five years of development. I think the X had come out uh, in late 02. Pro-VX when Ernie Els shot like 30 million under in <laughs> right. Um, So balls are getting firmer, but the, the mantles are getting softer. And it, it was, when I went back, I'm like, this is a completely different game. That's I fascinating.
0: Yeah. You I, kind I, of... I used
1: to play the Max Fly Revolution when I really right? wanted to. Right? Yep. And then the A-10, that, that was their advanced version. And then the Pro-V came out and it's like, holy cow, this thing, you're picking up 15 yards, 20 That's... yards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, spins less and, you know, Mm -hmm. you can manipulate it a little bit that way. Right. Then you couldn't do that before that. I didn't, I had never thought about that. Like a guy like you who kind of was on both sides of that sort of, uh, of that post right in, uh, in the golf world. That's crazy. And and,
1: and at first I didn't like the pro V I hit it too, uh, supposedly too far. I just didn't, I couldn't control the distances. Yeah. And then there was the old uh, theory that if you seamed it, you know, you, you, you put the seam vertical that it would blow, it would cut through the wind more, which was great if you're on a par three and you're teeing it off into the wind or you but when you're sitting in the fairway right, and, and you launch one 20 yards over the green, it's like,
0: right. That's a problem. It's
1: not doing me any good.
0: Right. right. So at that point, when you realized what the game was, had, was turning into, mm-hmm. um, do you, is that when you decided like, I'm going to go and teach or I'm going to go do something else?
1: No, it, it had been, so I, I had the, the, the desire to go play. I think starting, it had always been in my head to go play. Um, yeah. I was, I got very good very quick when I started playing golf. Uh, I think as a, I, I played everything when I was a kid, but growing up in the Midwest, as you know, it, it's mostly football, Big Ten football is huge and basketball and then yep. hockey, right? And then, yep. you know, throw baseball in there. Um So I I played all those sports growing up and then, but I, I did dabble in golf in the summers once in a while, but, uh, my freshman year, I think I shot and I was shooting with my dad in the uh, mid nineties, you know, as a freshman. Okay. Uh, And then when I went to high school trials, I shot 117 the first day. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not going to be on the golf team. (laughs) I I didn't know they really didn't cut anybody. And that was in August. And by early October, I was shooting 37, 38 for nine holes. Come on. So how,
0: how? Did, did it just naturally come to you, or was there playing you every it, day? Yeah, just playing every day, and you just you just caught on, huh?
1: And and it's uh, a lot of similar stuff happened. So when I was playing, um, in '05 and six, once when, when guys started going after the ball a little harder, because th- there were some local guys. Todd Behringer was on his P- got his PGA tour card. Conrad Ray was on the now the Corn Ferry. John yeah. Patterson, who I went to school with, was on the Corn Ferry. So guys were starting to swing harder, and. Uh, leading into in the 06 when I went back to play I started doing that and I started working out and uh like Bryson I mean I I added 30 some pounds I was I was hitting I, I was hitting the ball 40 yards longer yeah than the driver it yeah. was stupid without even swinging harder I, I right. wasn't swinging as hard as Bryson but I was hitting it you know back then air carry 305 <laughs> uh 8 iron stock 8 iron was 178 man it, you know it was just, it was crazy yeah so for, for me, it was just playing when, as a kid, it was playing every day. And then when I got to pro golf, it was playing and, and seeing, yeah, you can, you don't have to swing easy. This is not 2000 or 2001 anymore. Yeah. You can actually go after it.
0: Yeah. So you, were you just a, um, just a natural athlete? You said you played a bunch of different sports. Was that? I was your, pretty at- good
1: at basketball. I could have uh, played in college. Uh, just at our high school, we, we, we our co- we practice six days a week, two and a half hours a day, sometimes three hours. Jeez. And, and our coach was the gym teacher. So, of course, seventh period, last period, is we had to take gyms in the fall. So from September through March, you're basically playing basketball almost you know basically every day. Yeah. Uh, we, had, we had Sunday, no, Saturdays off after the Friday night game. So I, I didn't want to play. I, I did that in high school. I didn't want to go do that again in college. Another four years of that. Yeah. So I, I had passed on that. I, I was um, in high school. That's all I played was golf and basketball. Uh, oh, like really? i playing football in junior high. My dad didn't want me to play anymore. He didn't want me to get hurt. And that was always in my head. Yeah. I, I played one more year, but I, it's just like, okay, am I supposed to be here? Am I not supposed to be here? Um, yeah. Baseball, I, I threw my arm out in Little League. And by the time I got to eighth <laughs> and ninth grade, I, I, I had lost all my velocity. So really? a- after freshman year, I kind of packed up baseball. And, and I yeah. knew it was time to get out of baseball. When I started hearing that ball humming, coming in and, and I had one instant nanosecond of second guess. I said, yeah, time for time to get out of this sport. You're, yeah. you're not going to compete if you're, if you're second guessing.
0: Yeah, So I guess so I you're got
1: pushed, pushed into golf. You know, yeah. Right. I mean, by, by, uh, uh, what do you call uh divine intervention?
0: That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. But you were so you're a pitcher in baseball. Were you the mm-hmm. point in basketball?
1: No, I was, uh, usually small forward. Okay. Um, uh, power. I, I rotated depending on what team we had between power forward. And even sometimes I played two guard.
0: Wow. Versatile uh, um,
1: depending on what team I played on.
0: Yeah. Look at you. And you, <laughs> did you play, did you play hockey with Marco?
1: No, I, I played, I, I didn't play. Ho- I played hockey as a young kid. Okay. Uh, and was skating as a very young age, four five, six years old. Okay. But basketball was the same season.
0: Oh, that's and, right. Uh, sure.
1: And, and then I just <clears> never picked up. I mean, I love playing floor hockey by the time, you know, we we're in high school, we beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> um, but I didn't know, I didn't do any ice time.
0: So what was it? Um, I mean, maybe it was just because you needed a sport and I, I was the same way. So I talked about, you know, I, I found golf because I was sunsetting all of my other sport careers. Right. Mm-hmm. But I still, I have to compete at something. Um, and so I started, it was between, it was that and I was going to quit smoking and I needed something to kind of keep <laughs> me busy. And uh, so during lunch breaks, instead of having a cigarette, I'd go to the driving range and beat balls until that cessation went away. Um, but was it, what, what was it about golf that, that grabbed you and made you, you know, create this life from it?
1: Well, growing up, I as I, as you're a kid you start to think of what you want to be, right? When you're like five, six years old, you want to be everything that you see someone else doing. Yeah, I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. I want to be this or that. Um, so I had it narrowed down. I had some uh, Marco and I had an uncle uh, that was uh, in the CIA, and he was in the OSS before that, Jeez. Uh, going way back. Um, so I wanted one of the things that I re- that got me pretty far until I realized that your life expectancy in that field was like. Twenty five percent was a special forces, uh, so that that, that kind of that got washed out by the time I got to high school and realized, okay, th- you, that's probably not going to work. <laughs> yeah, uh, th- the other one was a, I want to be a doctor. Okay, um, there's no way I was going to st- stay another eight years in in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to go to medical school, then you got to go to uh, specialization, and, sure, and, and your internships or uh, residencies and all that. It's like there's no way. Yeah. Um, and and the third one, growing up being a sports fanatic, I always said I'd love to be a pro athlete. So as the other things <laughs> fell to the wayside, Jeez. golf was you the had last some
0: ambition, time. man. Oh my God. It's Special service doctor or pro athlete. That's it. Those mm-hmm. are my three. <laughs>
1: Those are my three. I, I, I did not want to be uh just work in a corporate office and right. I, I that, that was and I still I not to this day I've not ever worked at a at a corporation, so to speak.
0: That's awesome. Of, of
1: any significant size. <clears throat> yeah. J- just wasn't me. I-, I couldn't see myself doing that.
0: Yeah. So, sorry. All right. So, you decided then that you are going to be one of those three things. Life mm-hmm. expectancy removed the special <laughs> forces, special forces yeah. the, the workload and the commitment removed. Although, trying to become a pro golfer versus becoming a doctor, I mean, the time investment there is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, but at what point then did you... Like, was it a discussion or was it something that was natural? Cause you were so good at it in high school that colleges started to come calling and, and it just kind of, you just said like, Oh, I, I just found my path here.
1: You know, but back then in Michigan, uh, I, uh, was a Steve Horvath was a coach at Michigan state and he called me and, and we talked a couple of times. And, uh, he said he didn't offer anyone scholarships. Um, wow. the only, he said the only person he ever offered a full scholarship was Phil Mickelson. And I knew who Mickelson was because he was two years ahead of me in high school. Okay. And in high school he was a, he was a phenom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just the way that I do things, I, I, so they, they had, I asked him what they had in comparison to Ferris's golf program. And he said they had hotel management. And when he said that, I mean, it didn't take me two seconds to think, I'm not working in a hotel. Yeah. Nothing against people who do. I just, there's no way I'm going to, I find no, uh, uh, ambition or desire to work in a hotel whatsoever so i made that determined to go to ferris because i knew if i went to ferris i could still play golf and improve and pursue that playing career if i wanted to and if i didn't i could fall back on the being a club professional yeah whether it be a teacher or a club pro or and very quickly at ferris i found out because that was in 1990 and if you remember back then golf was growing exponentially <sighs> Sure. right especially in the midwest Illinois, yeah. michigan yeah um and i i realized very soon that it there were only so many really really good golf head pro jobs and there was exponentially many more people entering that field and it, it was it, it hit me very quickly when you tried to sign up for internships it wasn't how much you knew it was who you knew
0: mm-hmm.
1: right that that, that was a, a a real life learning experience right there yeah and i said okay if i'm going to make i'm going to want to make it in pro golf now I didn't pursue that like actively I was in my head until I got out of school and just hated working in the club business <laughs> <laughs> and and a uh, lot the, the Rick Barry who's a director and instructor at Sea Pines and he and I talked about it a lot and I was a very good player then and he and he was helping me with my swing and and I told him I said Rick I think I want to go try playing he said you should he said you've got that ability to be world-class Yeah, You need to pursue it for nothing else, just to uh, see if you can do it and get out of your own head. Right. Because when you're 40, 50 years old, you don't want to look back. And now I don't, you know? Yeah. If if I'm preparing for something, a podcast, it's like, you know, whether now it's 75 degrees outside, I might like to be out there playing, but I'm not chomping at the bit and beating myself up. Yeah. Uh, I, I did it for 20 years.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I found, um, the, um, the podcast does help with that, mm-hmm. you know, it's still, you, you still get to talk to people, you know, like you and, and talk about the game and learn about the game. And, and that sort of scratches that itch, um, right. for that sort of thing. It is pretty, uh, it's true. It does, uh, it does help you do that. So mm-hmm. as you, as you look back now, you've, you've had this, this tremendous career and, and, um, you're doing the podcast and you're, and you've got the website and you're, are you still coaching?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't do it a lot. It's, it's not my main source of income, but I, I still, okay. like, I had a couple lessons today. I gave, I gave a couple lessons yesterday. Um, but, but I'm not, uh, out there 80 hours a week. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of people who are yeah. coaching business doing, yeah like a lot of the guys I interview, you know, uh, Andrew Rice and Martin, uh, they're out there doing, uh, golf pass schools and they're doing <laughs> their own schools and they're flying here and flying. I, 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 It'd be nice to do that, but I kind of like what I'm doing now. <laughs> I sleep <laughs> yeah. in my own bed and right. I'm in, I'm in charge of it. If it fails, it's on me. If it succeeds, it's on me. Yeah. Um so yeah, I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I got a couple other business things I'm into that that pay the bills, so um I, I got a lot of different irons. It's maybe it's just the way I'm wired, you know. My golf theory's got five different things involved in it. And my income levels got, you know, number of different things involved in it. It's like
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're, it's pretty, it's a cool story though. Like you're, you're like this self-made dude, man. Like you, like you're just a kid from Detroit really. And here you are in Hilton head, you know, doing your own thing and uh, independent as they can be.
1: Right. That's kind of the way I like it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's so awesome. Just, just so all the things that are the income driven, make enough income to pay the bills so I can do the, like the podcast and, and right. all that and hopefully takes off sometime. Right. Um, I, th- there's a guy, Justin Tupper connected me with a guy that, that was a tech genius. He said for, for him when he did uh revolution golf. Oh yeah. And I, I called the guy and why the guy took my phone call. I have no idea. I mean, he doesn't know who the hell I am outside of, Hey, I interviewed Justin and I'm from the same area. Yeah. And, and he really helped me. And, and you know, he said, first of all, cause scheduling is my biggest challenge. Uh, consistency, <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as you probably know. Yep. Um, and he said, okay, tr- your goal for this year or next six months should be tra- schedule one a week. If you get two, okay, either do both or tell one guy, Hey, we got one this week. We had to move it next week.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and he said, what's your ultimate goal? I said, I know it sounds crazy, but I'd love to be the Joe Rogan of the golf world. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's possible in the golf industry, but I'd like to take a shot at seeing if it, if it is.
0: Yeah. And,
1: yeah. and then just that'd be, you know, you're a podcast, you know, how great would it be to just talk to cool people all the time and, my God! push their story out there and, and here you are and you make a ton right. of money. I, I tell people all the time when I started this, I said, this is the first thing I've done in my probably entire life that financial reward had absolutely. Well, I shouldn't say absolutely none. It probably had some cause you have to keep it going. Right. But as far as the list, if there were a hundred things on a list of why I was doing it, financial reward and gain was a hundred. Yeah. It was nowhere near the top.
0: Totally. Yep. Yep. It was just
1: something I wanted to do cause I thought it was cool. I, I like podcasts. I listen to some, and I had the ability to to get some great information from people out to the masses.
0: Yeah. I've always described this show ultimately as uh, a selfish endeavor mm-hmm. more than anything, because I get to meet people like Pete Popovich and talk golf <laughs> and hang out. And it's great, man. I do. I genuinely just love it. And, uh, and you know, if it, if it succeeds, then I mean, cool. And it's always, I, I don't know about you, but like, I, sometimes I still can't believe people that are outside of my family, listen to the show and like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of cool, isn't it? It's great. It's great. But I tell you, uh, doc, Brett McKay told me, I don't know if we were talking before we came on the air or if it was during the show, cause he has a podcast. Yeah. And I told him, I said, doc, and he was one of the, I think he was in the first in, 10 to 20 shows. And I said, you know, I told him this, I I didn't do it for financial purposes. I don't even know if this will make it or who likes it. He said, it doesn't matter. He said, if 10 people listen and not a hundred, who cares? Because those 10 people will find it interesting. He's in you're going to become a better coach and teacher and you're going to learn more. You're going to have a better life and everything else. And and that's the kind of guy he is. He's phenomenal. It's no surprise. He's one of the top uh, sports psychologists on the tour.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So uh, one last question. Um, sure. looking back at everything you've accomplished, everything you've done, uh, did you get a, is there a moment that you got a break or, or someone did something and, uh, and kind of set you back on the path or, or on the path to where you've, you've ended up?
1: Uh, I I think there was a series of breaks if I look back to where I am now it was when I first got here uh, I was supposed to go to Arizona for my internship when I was at Ferris Mm -hmm. and and that fell through at the very last minute and I was like Jesus what am I going to do now (laughs) and I went back I was at home that summer I went back to school and with my dad and uh, he's we're looking at Hilton Head he said that's pretty cool place maybe you'd look into going there and, and I okay I signed up for there and Harbor town was full, but the plantation club needed somebody. And that's how I got down here. So that kind of set that in motion. Wow. And then for me now, um, as far as my coaching, probably leaving playing and having the frustration of putting back then was my Achilles heel. And I said, I'm going to find out, you know, why this is. Cause nobody could figure it out at that time. Mm-hmm. At least the people I had gone to. And then I I stumbled upon Jeff Mangum, who's been on my show a couple of times, and putting completely changed. Yeah. Uh, and then and then the third one is meeting the guy that my neighbor at the meeting and <laughs> being an editor and That's right. th- that kicked the whole show off. So, yeah. Yeah. So very a couple, ser- I mean, I could probably think of More, but I want to bore your listeners.
0: I love those stories, man, because I I think um, it's very you know the 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 fact that. Um, you know the the names that you mentioned of people that you've come across or that you've had in the show or that you're friends with, like that's a testament to who you are and the fact that you can recognize these moments in life. Because a lot of people, believe it or not, they they would think they did it all themselves, but when, when really that's when is that's rarely the case, right? Mm-hmm. Um, most of us get some sort of break at some point uh, across you know along along the way. Um, God, I can't. I've gotten so many it's ridiculous. That's why I'm always curious. Um, but no, I, 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 love these, those, those kinds of things. Um, I,
1: I tell like a lot of my friends, kids are now graduating high school, into college, graduating college. And, and I always ask their parents if I can, I, I don't send anything to my friends, kids, even though we're, they're very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I, I say, can I send this to them? And they say, yeah, absolutely. But a lot of them, what I'll, what I'll send is uh, Steve Jobs's commencement speech what they oh. did at Stanford. Man, Uh, I don't know. It's like viewed like 20 million times (laughs) where where he says, you know, you can't ever connect the dots going forward. You can only do it backwards. Yeah. Right. You know, certain things happen for certain reasons. Yeah. Uh, And and you don't, it's easy to say now that I'm pushing 50 looking back and when you're young, you're like, Jesus, I'm never going to get a break. and You don't know that you're being pushed in that direction for a reason.
0: Yeah, it's true, man. Arizona falling through was, was, you know, that one of those moments. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I'm sure like a lot of us, uh, that thing falls through, but especially when you're young, that like your world just crumbled, right? Right. Everything is over and it's the worst, but you know, keep, keep pushing forward. I I, I always
1: say, I tell my brother all the time. I said, I, I, I'm very curious that if I wouldn't have broke my arm playing football, because I was a quarterback, if because in Michigan, golf season was in the fall. So it was football season. Yeah. I was a starting quarterback. I said, if I didn't break my arm, I wonder if I would ever play golf seriously. Yeah. And I would have played it just to hang out with the guys, but I don't know if I would ever would have picked it up and, and pursued it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd probably would have been working in a corporate job and just going nuts.
0: <laughs> right. See. <So laughs> you would have been that engineer who's really should have been an artist. Right. Just been miserable. Um Marco did mention uh that you are a tremendous putting teacher. Um mm-hmm. and so we should definitely keep in touch because I'm a, I, I'm the worst putter that you've ever met. I guarantee it. I am so bad at putting. Uh, I need all the help that I could possibly get. So
1: it, it's, it's, it's very simplified. I, I I can go, I'll go as deep as you want, or I'll keep it as simple as you want. Uh, but you'd be surprised at, at the big gains you can make in a very short period of time.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. God, I'm desperate for it. Desperate. My game is pretty, you know, we've been, I've been out a few times now. It's early in the season. Um, my game's okay. Uh, but boy, you know, I'm like, I kind of feel like, and there, there's that mental aspect too, right? Where you just start to lose that, that mojo, um, on the putting greens, but, uh, but yeah, I could, I could definitely use your help for that. So, um, you know, hopefully I get a fellow podcast discount of some kind.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, I might be up in Chicago cause, um, where Marco works at Flossmore. Golf. I know. Um, I, uh, George, the Goych is on that course and yeah. they're, like family. Um so I, I George was telling me I think they're doing in May and October uh pro member. And he nice. said you gotta come up and so I've I got to get up there hopefully this year sometime. Oh yeah um, man.
0: Yeah for if sure. If I do
1: I'll give you a heads up and yeah you, you come on down or I'll meet you
0: somewhere and, yeah we need uh, to hang out. You and me and Marco, we'll, whether it's lost more or something else. Yeah like for sure. I love that golf course. Have you seen it yet? Have you been I, no I
1: haven't yeah. not since they took it over.
0: They've they're doing a tremendous tremendous job there. Truly. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. It's, it's just so great. The whole, the whole vibe of the place is awesome. Uh, you know, like it's just, it's just a cool place to, as soon as you walk up there, like this place is cool. It's got the history to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's immaculate. The people are great. Um, you know, Marco's always there. Last I
1: talked to George, uh, he, you know, cause he's the managing brother. Yeah. Uh, he said they're, they're cranking some Decent music on the clubhouse. Yeah, now. man, it's
0: awesome. You can, it's the best. That's what I mean. Like you're on the range and they've got the speakers up on the yeah on the on the deck. It's great. It's super cool.
1: The new age of golf, right?
0: That's right. That's Old right. new. That's right. Hey, you got it. You know, that's the generation that's got the coin to uh, to get to private. You know. Oh, so. hey,
1: I, I can remember when when I got off playing and so about 06 right around there 07 is when people started taking the portable speakers out on the golf course Mm -hmm. and and there was a local game that they would play on the weekends these guys would play 36 all weekend and there was plus twos all the way up to 20 handicaps they would throw their money in these guys would bring out these speakers it drove me crazy (laughs) here i am you know i'm coming from playing for a living and this guy's going to be jamming uh metallica and you know playing golf and and, but now i'm Fifteen years removed, I, I don't think I can play without listening to music and having yeah. a cold beverage and smoking a cigar.
0: <laughs> there you go. See when we play together, I'll I will bequeath you DJ uh, rights. Oh, so y- perfect. You, you can control the music.
1: I just put classic rock on Pandora, and I'm good.
0: Oh yeah. All right. We'll work. We'll be fine. We'll
1: Skinner, Almond Brothers. Uh, yeah, man.
0: Oh, Almond Brothers for all day. Zeppelin yeah.
1: comes on in there, and it's Stone. It's got all of them. I, that's my favorite channel. I don't even. I don't even look at any others.
0: <laughs> those are, you shouldn't. Why would you? That's why yeah. it's classic. That's right. That's right. Um, this is fun, man. Legitimately, I, I enjoyed this. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, Absolutely. Do you have any, uh, you want to plug your, your podcast? Do you have any exciting guests coming up?
1: Yeah. I uh, Scotland, Dr. Scotland's coming on next week. Okay. Uh, uh, talk about the biomechanics and, and the swing catalyst and, and those things. Uh, Dr. Paul Wood from Ping is going to be coming on. Yeah. Uh, Ben Showman, the uh P- Cobra Puma Tour rep. So, I, I got to figure it out because Dr. Wood and Showman are both supposed to come on Friday. And I'm like, I, I'm not Rogan esque, I can't do two podcasts <laughs> in the same day. I gotta, you know, I gotta do, uh, I know Showman, I, I could talk to him for hours and, and not even have to write anything down. But, uh, Dr. Wood is someone of his stature. Uh, I want to yeah. make sure everyone enjoys it. So, I want to do, do a little more reading up on him before, uh, so yeah, th- th- those are the next three, I hope. Nice. Um, a lot of others are just trying to work on schedules. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to spill the beans yet and yeah, have people bug them. They're big, busy enough and say, Hey, you're going to be honest. I know it's really tough. Right. Yet, and I right? probably
0: spend, I don't know about you, but I, I spend, um, it's probably like a four to one ratio on scheduling and recording. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always, always looking at my schedule, always seeing like, cause yeah, you don't like, it's really, really important to us. Right. But to our guests, like, it's another yeah, thing. Yeah, I can get you in.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and this time of year, it's hard. because For you know, sure. You've got, uh, like Scott Cox was Canadian PJ teacher of the year last year, I think, or year 19. Okay. Uh, I reached out to him and, hey, you want to come on? He's like, yeah. And I said, when do you want to do it? And I said, well, I, I know you got your guys in Augusta this week, so I'm not going to bother you. So th- this week and, and somewhat next week are a little little yeah. difficult. but um, Yeah. And it's being spring, right? There's so many people starting to play. Yep. So it, it's, it's rushing around trying to get people in, but uh, <laughs> hey, that's that part of the challenge. And that's why we do it.
0: It's true. It makes it, that's part of the fun for me. Yep. All right. All right, man. I appreciate this. Awesome. Thanks. I
1: enjoyed it. And I'll get you on uh, in the near future. Let, let me get some of these guys sorted out and ironed out and then I'll, I'll shoot you a note and have you come on online.
0: Hey, it works for me. I'm always awesome. willing. I, I'll probably bring the, uh, the collective, uh, IQ and knowledge base down. Uh, a bit compared to your, your other guests, but whatever, man, you want to slum it for an episode. God bless you. <laughs>
1: hey, you'll you bring something. Somebody will pick up something from you.
0: Never, there you, you go. Be surprised. <laughs> Thanks, man. Pete Popovich, ladies and gentlemen, you can find him on Twitter at the golf paradigm and you should check out his podcast, golf Three Hundred and Sixty. Uh It's very, very good. Very in depth, great conversations over there on his show. Uh, but that's it. That's it for my show. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris McEwen on Instagram at Chris McEwen on YouTube at Chris McEwen. And if you're doing the Facebook thing, it is at Chris McEwen golf still can't convince whatever human is behind at Chris McEwen to just hand it over. They're not even using it bastards. Anyways, uh, thanks again for listening. One more call to uh, subscribe. If you like the show, rate it, uh, preferably five stars, and leave a quick review for your pal Chris. And uh, maybe yours will be the next that I read on one of these very episodes. But with that being said, let's listen to a little bit more of Midnight Rider by the Ullman Brothers and that bluesy little scratchy voice of the great Greg Ullman,